It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When it comes to clothes, having pieces that you can wear anywhere is a must. That's why American Giant makes clothing that fits your life seamlessly, with quality you have to feel to believe. Whether you're stocking up for any weather or picking up a special gift, you'll find an impressive selection of staples to choose from. So whether you're on the hunt for a heavyweight hoodie, a fleece jacket, or a hardworking pair of warm sweatpants, American Giant has what you're looking for. Each American Giant piece is designed to last and created with commitment to doing things better. And all their products are made right here in America. Because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll feel and appreciate for years to come. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop where anywhere closet staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code AnyStyle24 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code AnyStyle24. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We have arrived, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of yet another eventful week. And there is much to discuss today, kicking off with former Labour MP Kate Hoey. We will explore how we got from the death of a black man in Minneapolis to a call for the banning of England's rugby anthem, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. It's all thanks to the amazing way our culture and politics have been poisoned by the rabid beliefs of the few who at the moment are the tail wagging the dog in this country. After all, who but the Guardian would bother publicising the view of Luke Turner, an author of dubious distinction who thought it was a good idea on the occasion of Vera Lynn's death to write a piece decrying jingoism in 21st century Britain and claiming that toxic nostalgia, his words, not mine, had twisted the meaning of her songs. What a completely and utterly prized plonker. And how insensitive. How do you think Vera Lynn's family are going to feel about reading that, Luke? I ask you, do you really think it's a good idea for you to say that Lynn's fame was trapped in symbiosis with the anxiety of a nation in decline, forever doomed to look into the past, to the time when Britain had its finest hour? Well, I tell you what, Luke, I don't like you, I don't like your books, and I don't like your opinions. And so here we go. This is The Guardian today. You know what's going to happen. It's going, I'm afraid, down the tube. It's going in the bin because, once again, The Guardian is an absolute and utter disgrace to this country. What on earth are the people doing publishing this rubbish? We don't live in the past. We are not a jingoistic country. And quite frankly, Luke Turner, I wish you'd just go away. Thanks very much indeed. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, we're joined by Susan Hall from the Conservative Group at the London Assembly. She's furious that Mayor Sadiq Khan is now complaining that he has a 500 million black hole in the budget, which means he can't do anything about police recruitment or anything else this year. What an utter shambles his administration is. First, he lost a load of money to TfL and demanded that the company that he runs, i.e. London, be bailed out by the government. Now he's claiming he's lost all the rest of the money we've given him. 
Also, we'll be asking what happens tomorrow if the Black Lives Matter protesters gather in defiance of the new law set by the government which forbids meetings of more than six people at a time. Because that's what's going to happen tomorrow. 0344 499 1000. Also, we'll be bringing you the best news of the week as restaurant owners and pub chains have declared they are opening up on July the 4th, whether the government likes it or not. And because it's Friday, we will have another sparkling edition of the Perry Awards in the company uh, of producer Marta Malagon. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Let's say a very good morning uh, to our very good friend, Ms. Kate Hoey. Kate, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Now, um, perhaps you can answer me this question. How did we go uh, from the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis to a ban, uh, possibly, on the singing of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot? Well, uh, I think there's an awful lot of people who are not speaking out uh, in, in a way that's actually really sticking up for our country in terms of the way that we do have an incredibly tolerant country. Yes, we have individuals who are racist. And yes, we've had some incidents with the police over the years and I had in my own constituency where police had behaved badly and there were were incidents that that needed to be investigated. But we have gone now from a situation where a, a terrible tragedy happened to George Floyd. It was dreadful what happened. But somehow that has been used by this pretty political movement uh black lives matter and i always think of it with the capital b and the capital l and the capital m because of course most of the people who were on the the marches were genuinely concerned about the george floyd uh issue and wanted to show that they were showing support but that's sort of with small b and a small m and a small l the movement itself uh, and you, you only have to look up to see what it stands for. I just think so many people, if they really understood the kind of political nuances behind it and the fact that it's actually genuinely about changing our society completely, getting rid of capitalism, getting rid of, of, of kind of white supremacy, whatever that means. In, in Well, I've never in heard the Britain. term as often as I've heard it in the last two weeks, white supremacy. You I'm, know, I'm sorry, I don't recognise that as a term uh, which has any meaning whatsoever in modern Britain, certainly. I know there are some nutters in America who pr- proclaim themselves to be white supremacists and the KKK and all of that. We have no heritage of that. No, we haven't. And we have, we have, you know, in, in all our walks of life, lots of things have changed over the years because people have protested and we've had some great work done by people like Trevor Phillips and so on yeah. to ensure that equality is something that, that is at the, at, the, at the sharp end of everything. But what we're seeing now and what worries me now is that people seem, certain people seem to be looking for reasons to be offended. They're actually going out of their way to to, to find things yes. and then put in and then the media I'm afraid the mainstream media picks up on that so that whole issue about chariots of the, the, uh, swing, swing low yeah sorry Kate we've just lost you there for a second are you there no, we seem to have lost Kate's uh, phone uh, line there for a second. We'll get it back. Uh, she's only in Northern Ireland, you know. She's not on the, another planet, uh, so it shouldn't be too difficult, but we'll get it back shortly. One of the things we are going to talk to her about as well uh, is a story that's actually, funnily enough, on the front page of The Guardian, uh, which says this, this functional toxic culture led to Labour defeat major report finds and believe it or not they've actually got Ed Miliband remember him uh, who's now back on the front benches for Labour uh, writing about how they're learning from their defeat 
in 2019 in the election. Apparently, I mean, I think they must have been listening to this show because they're basically parroting exactly what I've been saying for the best part uh, of the last six months. Labour has a mountain to climb if it is to get back into power, according to a major review of the 2019 general election defeat. I think we've got Kate back. Kate, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. I don't, don't know what happened. Yes, I was saying that people are looking for reasons to be offended. And, and, and you know, I think what I'd like to see is people in, in, um, in leadership actually talking much more positively about our country. It looks now that everyone in leadership almost wants to be doing it down, and mm. we've seen that uh, you know, right through the last couple of weeks. Um, and, 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 and also, I think there needs to be, uh, particularly when we're dealing with the COVID-19 issue, um, a, a lot more cross-party support for positive things. The, the media, just the mainstream media, seems to be only interested in negativity. And, and uh, you know, I think the way that the, the sport in particular now seems to have been caught on to all this is really, really disappointing and worrying, actually, because where does it go from here? What happens next? Well, exactly. I mean, that's certainly what I've been saying to people. Exactly when does this kind of come to a point where, and I had a guy on last week from Black Lives Matter, and I said, at what point do you stop protesting? At what point do you say we've got what we wanted? Because I don't think anybody's all that clear about what it is that, that this organisation wants. No, other than what's on its, um, you know, its, its overall aims from the organisers, and it started, of course, in America. But I think, you know, I think I, I, it could also be that at the moment there are an awful lot of people who are who are kind of in a limbo because of COVID, and it's it's something to have caught on to. But I, I thought, you know, the way that the Premier League behaved was really hypocritical because we saw not that long ago where one of the Arsenal players, Mesut Ozil tried to protest about China's persecution of, yes. of uh, Muslims and called very clearly by the club that, you know, it was the player's personal opinion and the club did not involve itself in politics. And that's been the line of the Premier League. And suddenly it's OK for them all to wear these shirts and to, you know, go down on their knee and, and, and do that. And I think that that, of course, it isn't affecting their money. It, they, they won't criticise China because it's going to affect their their, um, well, they also they also won't criticise uh, Qatar, uh, which is ho- the host of the next World Cup, where they have at the very least slave labour, at the very least sort of uh, encapsulating slavery, uh, killing people for building um, stadiums because it's so hot that they can't breathe. I mean, it's quite remarkably hypocritical, isn't it? Yes, it is. And then you know the other thing we, we saw this week, which really upset me as a former Labour member of parliament and a former party member was that letter that was written by Labour MPs uh, criticising um, Priti Patel and then the, the, the criticism that there's been of Manira uh, at Mirza, the, one of uh, Downing Street's advisors. Mm. Somehow the idea that if you're from a, a black or ethnic minority group and you don't, prov- you don't carry on with the same views that are supposedly what black and ethnic minority people should think, that somehow you're then, uh, you know, a, a real, um, um, you know, you've let you've let everybody down and mm. you're someone that can be criticised. I think that's just shocking, really. That Well, um, I've seen that old phrase, Uncle Tom uh, and Auntie Tom being trotted out, which is, is by no means anything other than a racist term. But I haven't heard it really since the 60s and the 70s. But people are now using it against those members of ethnic minorities who are not buying into this thing. No, exactly. And I think there would be an awful lot more out there of, 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 of many, many African-American people who particularly who have been very, very proud 
of our country, are very supportive of our royal family, have over the years been extremely keen to show their support for our country. And then many of them will be sitting at home really very disturbed by all of this. Not because, you know, I don't think that there, there aren't, there's not an awful lot more we can do in this country to make sure that equality really really is happening at mm. every level but it's it's the way it's being done and uh, i'm i'm you know i really do sometimes just sit and think what on earth is happening to our country yes absolutely right because the thing that worries me most about it kate is listen i'm as much of a democrat as you are i'm very happy to listen to anybody's opinion i'm very yep. happy to have an argument with anyone who disagrees with me about a, a huge number of things but what i'm not willing to do is to pander to the mob uh, to give in to people who for example decide that it's a great idea to march during the middle of a pandemic when everybody's supposed to be keeping themselves safe from one another uh, who completely disregard public safety who think it's a great idea to throw flares into Downing Street to use it as an opportunity uh, to desecrate monuments and to pull down statues you know that is not for me the way that Britain should be behaving no and it's not the way that I think most people want it to behave no uh, and 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 we have but again in my earlier point you know leaderships and, and members of parliament are in leadership positions you know they should be speaking out about some of this much much more than has been happening and actually criticizing the, uh, some of the way that these protests have have gone and now it's continuing i, I gather there's another one well this uh, is what tomorrow. i'm interested to find out about because I, I guess the police are going to be in a bit of a, a difficult position because the government has now said that these protests are effectively illegal because you can't have more than six people in one place at one time but i don't know what you do if you're Cressida Dick or Sadiq Khan uh, what orders do you give to the police in the event of all of these people gathering in Hyde Park Yes and policing you know it's it's easy enough for us to sit and and criticise I suppose because policing a major demonstration is difficult but you know we've had major demonstrations over the years I remember the Vietnam demonstrations myself Mm. and and I just think that somehow there was what happened at the beginning of all of this was that the police were not prepared to kind of take it on early enough because they were fearful mm. of being accused of being uh, racist. And um, th- this this whole fear thing seems to be through everywhere. That every, you know, you're getting companies coming out apologising for things that no one even knew existed yeah. and, and statues. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've now decided to give up drinking Green King beer because it turns out that they were able to start their company with the proceeds uh, of a guy giving up slavery. You know, that's done it for me. <laughs> Well, the problem is we everything we could find. As I said earlier, you know, people are looking for reasons to be offended. Yeah. Government and 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 the people running the country have to stand up to this, and that's why you know I, I, uh, Dominic Rab was quite right. And then the criticism he took, you can see why politicians immediately shift as soon as they get criticised. I mean, yeah. I would probably get trolled because of some of the things I've said, but once you give in, um, then then, you know, it, it, it gives that great victory to people who yes. then go on to move on to the next one. Well, I think that's so right. And you have to have the courage of your convictions. But we are living in such a very febrile situation here. You know, I'm sitting here in a radio studio high above the River Thames, looking out the Tower of London. You know, if I say one wrong word, I'm out of a job. Yes. Uh, yes. Which and is ridiculous. Yes. But it's not a wrong that. word. It's a word that is deemed to be wrong by a minimum number of people who don't like it. Yes, it's 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 a minority of people who seem to have actually managed to get control without being yes um, able, without being elected. And, yes, uh, I mean you, you begin know, to wonder if Peter Hitchens is right about the left running Britain, despite the fact that we've got a majority Tory government. 
Well, there's a majority of 80, and yet it does seem like on some things. But I think, you know, it's not probably the time to have the debate about the BBC either, but, you know, the way the BBC has presented... Uh, I mean, other media, other television channels have been difficult too, but somehow mm. the BBC ha- is the one we're paying. The way it has presented everything, it's looking totally... Even at the Dominic Raab story yeah. yesterday, all they wanted were people who were going to c- criticise him. Right. Um, also, the news just... has shifted. It's no longer the story. And I said this yesterday because Sky put a tweet out that said something like, you know, Dominic Raab gets it wrong uh, because he thinks that the take the knee uh, scenario started with Game of Thrones. You know, that's not the news. The news is that the foreign secretary of this country, of this government, has said that he will not take the knee. That's the story, surely. Yes. Well, yes. And, and that would have been actually probably a bit of quite a lot of comfort to many people who are going to be put in this position I can imagine over the next few weeks where all sorts of um, you know just for the camera, lots of people are wanting to do this. It's the old old, you know when did you stop beating your wife question isn't it? Yes, it's impossible to, to, to answer, yeah. but certainly I, I won't be uh, taking the knee uh, under any circumstances yeah. because I think I can combat racism and, and, and work to get a more equal society in, in a way that actually means something and practical and not some kind of uh, visual image yes. that come from an Well, I've, I've worked uh, out a very, good, uh, a very good get-out clause, Kate, for those of us who are uh, of a certain mm-hmm. age. And basically you say, look, I'm very sorry, I can't take oh, the you knee. you can't get up again. Because I might not be able to get up again, exactly, so... <laughs> <laughs> and they can't then criticise you on political. Let me let me just finish by asking you about this Labour report, this Labour story. Well, Mike, Mike, I just wanted also to say about Northern Ireland, yeah. because I'm in Northern Ireland. Of course, we have moved ahead a little bit on the uh, the whole social distancing. Yes, you've gone to a metre, haven't you? One metre. Well, I call it three feet because right. I'm still the old-fashioned enough to think. Okay. So, but I think that's going to be very, very good in terms of getting everybody back into school. Yes. But, uh, and I'm hoping that that will change on on in, on in Britain as well. Because, yes, you know, we really have to get ourselves out of this lockdown. Well, I'm I'm very encouraged by certain people in this country who have already started saying, and one of them is a friend of mine. He's got a restaurant in Kensington. He's opening his restaurant on July the fourth, no matter what. He doesn't care whether or not the government gives him permission. So that I think is a massive step forward as well. Uh, yeah. But let's let's yeah. finish up before okay. uh, anything else happens. Uh, just on your views of Labour, because this will come as no surprise to UK, because you were saying this as I was uh, many yeah. moons ago. Um, negative perceptions of Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, doubts about the manifesto the the party's ambivalent brexit stance i mean all of the all of this uh, you could very much lay at the hands of keir starmer can you well uh, he's obviously taken over uh, recently as leader but i mean certainly during the whole lead up to the election it got absolutely uh, ruined our position on brexit yeah. by keir starmer pushing for a second referendum and pushing for changes uh, and I have to say he's been very quiet on this since the election. Mm. So I think they've realised that they're not going to win back the seats that they lost up up in the north and northeast and midlands if they uh, continue to act in total disregard of what people voted for um, in 2016. And Labour has has lost its 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 core support. We warned it. We warned and warned from the those of us in Labour Party who were in favour of leaving that. We were losing that support. Mm. Uh, no one listened. They thought that they could kind of just cajole people into how dreadful an anti-Tory, you know, anti-Tory message. You don't win elections by just um, c- criticising your opponents. No, and that's Unf- the danger at the moment. That mm. every time the government says anything, particularly in COVID, 
the opposition come in and immediately find a reason to oppose it. It would be lovely one morning to wake up and say the government has announced such and such, Labour has said this is one, and then not try to pretend that it was their... <laughs> their right. Yes, we're, we're very much in favour of supporting everything you do. We know how difficult it is to be running the government at this time. However, everything you're doing is absolutely wrong. And in fact, you've made so many mistakes, we can't stop talking about them. Fascinating. Kate, thank you very much indeed. Kate Hoey, uh, former Labour MP. What a shame she's not any longer part of the Labour Party, because it might actually be full of some people with some sense which unfortunately at the moment it is not. It is run by a guy who can't uh, tell his uh, elbow from another part of his anatomy. Uh, it's also run by the man who came up with the Brexit strategy to end all Brexit strategies. In, uh, if you want to be. Out, if you want to be. Uh, the man is a complete and utter charlatan, as far as I'm concerned. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say that we are now joined uh, by Susan Hall, the Conservative leader at the London Assembly, fresh from a mayor's questions yesterday, uh, where she was accused uh, by Mayor Sadiq Khan uh, of using politics and political kind of advantage seeking uh, to try and make a point. Well, isn't that what you do when you're a politician? Susan, a very good morning to you and uh, welcome to the show. Good morning. So I watched uh, with some interest your uh, sort of Zoom mayor's questions yesterday. Um, and I have to say, uh, Sadiq Khan came across not as uh, so much of a kind of um, a plutocrat or an autocrat, but also a bit of a sexist, I have to say. <laughs> um, he doesn't like me, which is fair enough, because I don't really like him very much either. <laughs> so that's quite a bit... No, but I mean, the fact is that he should at all times conduct himself in a manner uh, which which uh, would be becoming uh, of a leader of a capital city, which is what he is. And to, to refuse more or less to answer what were your very legitimate questions would say to me that there is no democratic process, really, uh, inside of the London Assembly. I know, but that's how he is and that's how he always has been. He's very thin-skinned, so if he flares up, as you saw yesterday. We've not got a great line here, Susan. We may have to take some kind of evasive action. Um, Let's see if we can get you on a better line. We may have to revert back to just the phone. Um, But basically, here's the story we're going to talk about, right? Plans to recruit thousands more police appeared in jeopardy because Sadiq Khan has revealed that coronavirus could leave a near £500 million black hole uh, in City Hall finances, right? He's saying he would have to make significant cuts to the Metropolitan Police, to the London Fire Brigade and to Transport for London unless the government provides extra cash. Now, what that tells me is that basically the, uh, uh, the mayor's office have run out of money, having already told the government that they've run out of money before, having already had Transport for London bailed out. You know, what on earth is going on with the money and why should coronavirus be causing a problem for the mayor's office? Because surely the mayor's office runs on taxes which are paid into local councils, on taxes which are paid um, into local government, rather than on taxes which are paid on any kind of sort of um, income base or on any kind of, um, uh, you know, retail base. Susan, I think we've got you on, the, on regular phones now. My, my, I don't know how much of what, of what I just said you heard, but basically my question is, how is it that uh, there is a £500 million black hole in City Hall uh, in terms of its budget, because why is there a shortfall of money? I was under the impression that most of the money that goes into City Hall comes from central government anyway. No, it doesn't actually. It comes, an awful lot comes from council tax. It comes from, which obviously then there will be an issue over how much nobody knows at the moment. And I, to be honest, I think it's going to take quite some time to see. Um, also business rates, which 
in London is going to take a big hit. Well, yeah, but I mean, but, but that's presumably because business rates have, have, have been put on holiday, if you like. I mean, most people I know are paying their council tax as normal. Well, that's right. So I, I think we will be disputing that. We haven't seen the actual figures yet. At the mayor's question time yesterday, I asked, because I'm chair of the budget committee, I asked if I could see the figures, even if it was in draft form. And because the beat was put um, ever so slightly on, <laughs> uh, you know, um, on the spot, he agreed to it. So... Mm. Um, I've just spoken, literally come off a meeting, to, uh, speaking to his head of staff, David Bellamy, and they've confirmed that they will give me some of those figures next week. Right. Um, so, so at the moment, we are kind of taking his word for it, that there will be this shortfall um, without really necessarily knowing why. Because if it is a shortfall based upon the coronavirus, presumably the government would cover that anyway, wouldn't they? I don't know that they can, because I think we will be looking at quite some Amounts, but you've got to remember the amounts of extra money that um, the the mayor was spending beforehand. He doubled so many of his budgets, etc. All of this needs to be looked into. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt there will have to be savings because so much is funded through business rates and uh, council tax. Yeah, the exact figures nobody knows at the moment because we don't know how much we're going to bounce back or not bounce back in London. Um, you know, when you haven't got people able to easily cram onto the underground and I mean I know you've used it as, as I have and you're like sardines well we can't go back no well do you know what I haven't used the underground since March though Susan because uh, when he cut the, the the number of trains to the point that, where they were only coming once every seven minutes which meant that they were rammed with people I just thought for my own safety I'm not going to get on them and I haven't been back on them since and I haven't been on a bus either and so I can understand why there would be maybe a shortfall of money at Transport for London because I would regularly spend I would say uh, on any given month between 200 and 250 quid just travelling around on, on TFL so he's not getting that from me, and he's probably not getting it from maybe a few other million people. Yes, well, that's exactly right. It's not It's not just that, though. I mean, if That's a lot of going, money, by the way, isn't it? Oh, it's a hell of a lot of money, and it's not just that. If people aren't going into London, mm. then all the little shops that sell sandwiches and coffee bars, etc., etc., um, that will have a dent on their businesses, too. And I think lots of big firms will start to think, well, can we remodel the way we do business? Can people work from home more? Mm. Uh, we've all proved that lots of us can work from home. So I, th- I think we're looking at a seismic change in the way business is done, and that will have a knock-on effect. But, you know, as in any biz- anybody that runs a business or has run a business knows that some- sometimes... You lose your customers, your customer base, and you have to act very, very quickly to make sure you make make the business work. And that's what we've got to do in the GLA. Mm, absolutely right. And what about um, the possibility, heaven forfend, uh, that the public sector might be slightly overburdened with people? You know, because most private organisations are having to look around their uh, resources and look around their income streams and look around their revenue uh, to see whether or not they can continue to employ everyone that they've got on their books. And many of them are having to lay people off. When are we going to see the public sector doing that? got to see the public sector doing that. We've absolutely got to. It's got to be streamlined. Um, and this, it may well take this ghastly virus to make people have to look at budgets, not just shift people around or shift everything around so it looks good. Um, they've actually got to look and they've got to behave like people in the private sector have had to for years, make very difficult decisions 
uh, to run a business. And, and these departments, etc., are actually businesses at the end of the day. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to cut your cloth, as they say. Yes, exactly right. And I mean, is there any talk inside of City Hall about the policies that are currently being operated, i.e., you know, obviously the, gov- the central government in Downing Street is making a lot of decisions. We're told today that um, public health chiefs are saying we move from level four to level three, uh, which is another sort of easing of, of the lockdown. Um, is City Hall kind of encouraging businesses to come back? Because we get a lot of mixed signals, it seems to me, from Sadiq Khan. One about, you know, for example, when people were marching for Black Lives Matter, uh, he was saying, you know, please be safe. Please try and social distance. Um, on the other hand, he was telling other people to stay at home and not come to London to march. You know, we don't quite know where he stands on anything. Well, last weekend he did say don't come to the protest, which is exactly what he should have been saying the weekend before. Only on the basis of this virus. Mm. Nothing to do with any demonstration of any description. So I'm not singling that one out. Nobody should be out demonstrating at the moment. They're they're putting everybody at risk with this virus. Mm. No, exactly right. And so as far as like the help that he may or may not be able to give to the commercial um, sector and, and, you know, organisations that wish to open but who are struggling, is he helping? Is he doing anything for them? Not so far as I can see at the moment. Obviously, we've got to try and get more and more information out. I mean, my prime concern, because I'm chair of, uh, of budget, is to start looking at wh- where these budgets are going, looking at where they're making uh, savings, cuts, whatever you want to call them. Um, And we've got to get those papers as soon as possible because if you you have in-year savings, you've got to do them as quickly as possible. Uh, So we've got to look at that. I mean, I'm also on the police committee and we've got to look at how the police are funded, etc. I'm not happy about hearing that we might not have so many police recruits because you know how bad things were before we went into the lockdown. Uh, in London with um, knifings, um, with shootings. I mean, Cannes, London was, well, uh, out of control. And I think, we, you know, we can't cut down on people. We really can't. No, exactly right. And what happens this weekend? Because obviously, um, you know, the government has now passed uh, a new law in which it says that no groups of more than six are allowed to mingle or meet or gather in any public place. Um, However, we are told that there is a Black Lives Matter march planned uh, for Saturday. Uh, meeting, I believe, at Hyde Park at still two o'clock. There's posters doing the rounds on social media. I mean, what are the police empowered to do, if anything, if lots of people turn up for that? Oh, I was hoping they wouldn't do it this weekend. I mean, they need to all stop. Anybody going on any demonstration needs to stop and think. We have been stuck away for months in order to try and get a grip of this virus with them all um, mingling around together. It will cause nothing but problems again when the spike will increase. And then we might have to go back into a lockdown, which I think we'll have to avoid at all costs. But it's, I mean, it's just, a nonsense. Uh, and if there's thousands and thousands of them, there's only so much the police can do, as, as we know. Well, exactly right, because presumably they can't be empowered uh, and won't be empowered, certainly by Sadiq Khan or probably Boris Johnson, uh, to start kettling people or, or to start taking on a kind of aggressive stance against them. So effectively, we're now in a country where you make a law and everybody uh, who decides that it's not a law can get away with breaking it. Well, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I believe in containment is what they call it now, I believe, as opposed to Kettling. But I, I believe in that. If you can't control group, massive groups of people, you've got to find methods for which you can control these 
um, these people that are all breaking the law because they're all bundled together. I mean, peaceful protest is fine, but really, you know, let's get real. We're in the middle of a virus. I mean, it just doesn't bear thinking about. No, it really doesn't. And so, where do we go from here on the on the once you once you see some of the financial figures that you've asked for? Um, what happens next? Are you able to go collectively uh, as uh, people from City Hall to central government and say, we're going to need some help here? I mean, are we looking at a kind of a New York City in the 70s bankruptcy scenario? I hope not. I, I it's impossible to comment till we actually see the figures. Um, I mean, it's quite a precise amount of figures they're looking for. It ends in a three, which I find peculiar when I'm told it's sort of broad brush. But anyway, I can't really comment on the papers until I've seen them, and then we'll see what they've got in mind. Yes. But they've got they've got to act on this sensibly, you know. And he's got to get rid of all these ridiculous pet projects where you see money being spent on mm. hugging trees and you know bats and uh, oh, I mean bats, splash parties. Oh gosh, the list of things: splash parties, beach parties, um, oh, drag acts. Yeah. I mean, come on, this is, you know, we should only be spending money where it's needed. Yes, I totally agree with that. Susan Hall, thank you very much indeed. Conservative leader at the London Assembly calling for a bit of common sense, Alice Sadiq Khan. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, I have to say, when I saw James Chiaverini's tweet last night in which he said, we're opening on July the 4th, uh, bookings being taken right now, uh, I thought to myself, now, what could be better uh, than to know that you've got something to look forward to by way of something being made for you, uh, which you didn't make yourself in the kitchen? James, a very good afternoon to you. Hello, Mike. Good to, good to see you again. Thanks yeah, no, now you'll notice that I, di- I didn't jump all over you and say, you must get me a table because I thought, you know, you might want some proper people in your restaurant who are not going to bring the tone down. Uh, but I'm going to be there uh, and I'm going to be mob handed with several people from Talk Radio here, uh, possibly Piers Morgan as well. And we're going to be sitting there d- dining out on your fantastic food. So what made you come to this conclusion suddenly? Well, look, I mean, let's all be honest. I mean, there's two reasons for this. One for the industry. Uh, that we need to basically have some sort of clarity. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We can't wait any longer. We need at least a couple of weeks to you know, get everything up and running, especially if we need to organise the table, social distancing and all that kind of stuff. And secondly, from a consumer perspective, everybody wants to go out. Everybody wants to have a nice meal. 
and get over this whole thing. We've got the sun is still shining. Let's make the most of whatever summer's left and go out and enjoy ourselves now. Yeah, absolutely right. What's interesting to me as well, James, is that uh, I wasn't here last weekend in London, but I was told it was quite a nice weekend weather-wise. More or less all the parks were full of people. People yeah. were going to pubs which have opened up, many of them in London now, uh, serving uh, uh, sort of drinks to take away. But people are just basically taking them away about 10 or 20 yards from the pub. And it's almost like uh, people are actually standing around in the street drinking as if the yeah. pubs were all open like normal anyway. Exactly, exactly. But with the added problem of all the mess and all the fly tipping and all that generates. Because, you know, people are not stupid. They all follow a common sense approach and they will do what they want to do anyway. And mm. After three months of lockdown, I think most people have just had enough. So to be honest with you, you're better off having it controlled in an environment by professionals where we where we can we can manage the social distancing as opposed to just selling it selling our produce to people for them to just to basically stand you know half a foot away from each other on a crowded pavement and you know and just and just littering as they go and you've got two restaurants in kensington high street right. one sort of upmarket one slot of uh, more middle market i suppose you'd call it uh, you're standing clearly in one of them now um yep. what, what are you going to have to do to make it possible to open so we've already spaced out our tables, blocked off certain tables to make sure that they're not available for reservations. And those tables will basically be uh, hand sanitizer tables and, you know, making sure that there's enough there's enough uh, health and safety in place already. At mo- every single restauranter is so health and safety focused anyway that this is really nothing. This isn't a great you know, endeavor for us to undertake to go through the market. It, it's actually a relatively simple operation. And, you know, we're consumer professionals. Everybody in the restaurant business in London knows what they're doing. And now is the time for just, you know, let us let us off our leash a little bit. You know, let us go back to work. Yes, I agree with you totally. And uh, you're not the only one because an organisation I didn't know of until now, Oakman Inns, which is a, a pub chain who apparently own hotels and restaurants and pubs all over the southeast, Hertfordshire, Essex, um, Buckinghamshire up to Northamptonshire as well. They've also said that they're going to open on July 4th. And in a tweet they put out, they just said this, we cannot wait for the government to make a decision. I mean, what happens if the government comes to you and says you can't do it? Well, we'll just have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But to be honest with you, I mean, you would like to think that there's a little bit of wiggle room for common sense in that approach. Uh, having said that, we are talking about the government and how many of them in, you know, making the decisions that have actually ever had to run a business or make payroll or, ever, you know, undertook such a large risk operation as this. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to get the economy back on track. You know, people who think that money comes from the government, it doesn't. It comes from it comes from the people. It comes from taxes. It comes from businesses generating wealth. And that money then goes back to the government and then, you know, you know filters back and forth. But, you know, we saw on the news on the news headlines, you know, not, you know, not even 10 minutes ago. You know, our government borrowing is 10 times is 10 times higher than it was at this point last year. The risk level has come down to three. I personally don't know a single person in London that's had any COVID symptoms since March. We're now coming up to July. Come on. I mean, I think I think this is all quite a reasonable defence for us to mount. Yes, and I think for most people now as well, and, and of course there still are people who are vulnerable, there are still people who are shielding and maybe shielding other people. For them, um, you know, the decision maybe is clear that they don't wish to come out and go to your restaurant, but there's many people who do. And so, you know, I think the time has come for, you know, general kind of common sense and and the people's will that really yes. to be to be allowed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And also remember that in a restaurant, there's less fluid movement in a restaurant than there is in a normal shop. Mm. So typically somebody will walk through the door, 
be accompanied to their table and stay at that table in that space until they finish. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not, and that table obviously then gets disinfected and antibiotic gets, gets used, you know, after every turn, toilets get done every, you know, after, after each use. So, you know, I mean, it, it's a lot easier to manage than it is for John Lewis or Waitrose or any, or any other shop. Yes. So, you know, it's not like you've got four people, you know, people crowded four deep at the bar and everyone's three sheets to the wind and they're all passing beers from one to another in a crowded, in a crowded place, you mm. know what I mean? It's, it's all very doable, absolutely very doable. Now, you look like you've got a bar behind you. Would you have to I put think. up sort of um, screens there like we have in, in our sort of uh, reception desk here in uh, News UK? I'd rather not. I mean, obviously, we're not going to have anybody actually being served at the bar. Right. So the bar will just be used as a counter for thingy. We have face screens if anybody um, would rather that we use them. We've got them ready to go. It's really up to... It's up to Partly government advice, but partly what the customers want and what our staff feel comfortable with. I personally don't like the idea of having a mask over my face like this. I find that it removes a lot of the personal aspect, but we do have the, the kind of clear perspex screens that go down. If our customers feel more comfortable, we're more than happy to wear them. Do you know, I was in the lift here at um, uh, News UK yesterday, and we're supposed to wear masks in the lift and in the lobby, which is the kind of communal areas. And I was having a conversation with a guy in the lift because I thought he was somebody completely different to who he actually was. Turned out, It turned out I didn't know him at all. <laughs> but, but I didn't realise that until we got outside and he took his mask off and I went, oh, that's not the guy I thought he was. <laughs> I know, I know. I have that all the time. I say that to customers, where, you know, you know, with, with my mask on the street, and they don't know who the hell I am. Right. I mean, and it, it does remove a lot of the personal interactions that humans have to have in order to, in order to have those kind of emotional con you know, conversations yeah. with people. And the restaurant business is an emotional business. It's leisure. It's what people want. They want to have that level of connection. If not, they get a meal deal from M&S or somewhere. You know, if, yeah. if what you're just going to do is reduce food to a retail experience, then, you know, there's plenty of options for that. Sure. Now, when you and I spoke before, James, you've talked about how difficult it might be to get people into the kitchen. How have you got yeah. around that? Yeah, we have done. We've managed to basically, because we've got two restaurants next door to each other, we basically managed to divide up the work areas so that um, a lot of the prepping gets done in one or the other, especially the fact that one, reports gets closed on a Sunday, pizza gotto or pizzeria, where I am now. It's closed on a Monday. So, you know, we can we can work around all of that kind of stuff. Also, you know, it's different sections. It's quite actually quite easy to section off. Mm. That's good. And the menu will remain much the same, will it? Or is it going to be a kind of limited menu? No, I, I want to go, but I really want to hit the ground running. Like, you know, all of us need to go out there and we need to do a big push now and uh, and, re and really get, you know, really get the leisure, the leisure sector going again. It's the third largest contributor to the Treasury's coffers. You know, they can't afford to let us fall by the wayside on this. And you're open for July 4th, Saturday. Are you open on the 5th on Sunday? So Pizzagotto is indeed open on the 5th. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, Portico is all traditionally always been closed on a Sunday. You know, being a family one, that's, yeah. fun, that's always been closed on a Sunday. OK, because I might be around in London on Sunday night. So, But if I'm not there on Sunday, I'll come on Monday. We shall, we shall look after you, Mike. We'll look after you, talk radio, anybody and everybody that wants to come by. Brilliant stuff, James. Fantastic. Good luck with it. Uh, and we will be supporting you in all that you do, of course, because James Chiaverini there, uh, taking a leaf uh, out of the book of uh, sort of wisdom, I suppose you might say, and just saying, look, you know, we need to get going again. If we're going to wait for the government to give us the go ahead, uh, we're going to be waiting for a very long time indeed. He needs to get his, uh, his staff in order. He needs to get his kind of um, uh, his, his stock in order. He needs to get his drinks in. He 
needs to get his food in. He needs to get the workers back. You know, I salute him for doing it. And also uh, that pub chain that's doing it as well. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. And Colin's coming up at one o'clock, of course. Right now, though, uh, it is that time of the day when it's time for our homeschooling section. So if you haven't done it yet, uh, do gather your children around the television. If you're watching us on YouTube, do gather them around the DAB, uh, soon to be DAB+. Plus, uh, or indeed get them around your Alexa, uh, your phone, whatever it is you're listening to us on. Uh, because right now we're going to talk to Nadra Shah, Head of Communications and Marketing at Borough Market, and one of my favourite places in the world, because we're going to talk about cauliflower. Nadra, now, um, if you'd said to me a few years ago, one day you will appear on a, a national radio station talking about cauliflower, I would have said, nah, I don't think so. But it's fascinating, actually, because I've been looking at some of the little facts about cauliflower, and I've already learned something that I didn't know, and that is that you can eat the leaves. Yes, you can. Lovely roasted, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. I must try that because up to now, I've just thrown them away. Yeah, I mean, I think this is... Um, hello. Um, Hi, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the point. We really wanted to, um, in this time, uh, give the opportunity for parents to view their children and connect them to food and also um, really go into what you can do with different foods. And we're all about not wasting. And so, yeah, as you said, the cauliflower leaves are just beautiful to have and um, make a really nice addition. And Mm. look. Yeah, wonderful. Now let us look at uh, the history of the humble cauliflower. Uh, the, The belief is that it may have come from Cyprus or somewhere around the Mediterranean. Yes, so that's where they originate from, um, and um, they are now grown in the UK and harvested all year round. But um, I think back in I think the seventeenth century were mm. their origins, and um, they're a really versatile vegetable. Um, and so through the units, we go into a little glance of what what they what they are what family they come from and then we look at how they're grown so we go into the cycle uh, a little bit of history and then um the units finish off with um a cooking segment Mm. and we take it in three stages so the first stage is keeping the vegetable in its um in it or its produce in its natural state and then um and then there's a little bit of baking and then boiling. So you're seeing the different stages of how you can then consume the vegetable or produce. And we have six units in total, cauliflower being the first one. Okay. And if you wanted to grow a cauliflower, is it relatively easy to do um, in, in a sort of English garden? Um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to have, you'd have to have a little bit of space. It's not a, it's, You'd need to move it into. Um, you start with the seeds, uh, and you and you sort of moist, keep those moist. And after about ten days, the leaves will start shooting up, uh, and then you pl- go and plant it outside. And it will take about a month for the shoots to come out through the soil, and then in about ninety days, the heads will appear. And then the the cauliflower will be ready for harvesting. So that's a cycle. So if you've got enough room, um, then you could possibly do it in your garden or um, if you have um, other means, (laughs) outside means. 
Yeah, so in a, some people have allotments these days. You could probably yeah, grow, exactly. grow one That's there. Word, allotments. <laughs> yes, there you go. And I'm intrigued as well because I see that you've got lots of different varieties. I don't know if those are available at Borough Market, but uh, it looks like there's about four different types of uh, cauliflower that you can get. Yeah, I mean, there's there's hundreds, really. Um, in the unit, we've sort of picked out a four, um, plus the Romanesco, which is the one which looks like it could be under the sea um are you you're showing it there for anyone that's watching on yes the the wonders of our technological technological department they never cease to amaze me yeah i know amazing and also i have to say look there's reggie reggie is our little boy our little marcus explorer oh yes there he is he go and he helps the kids go through each of the units so if there's an activity or something to learn or something to do mm. then you do it with Reggie there but yes we we have all varieties of cauliflower sold at Borough Market and um, you know this is these resources are in lieu of parents probably being able to come down with their children and also we've done an incredible amount of work over the years with children um, and school groups and I think it's something like 20,000 over the last eight years mm. um, so we really wanted to do something that brought to life the experience of parents and children being able to discover and learn about food so if they're not necessarily able to do it in the market they can incorporate it into however which way they shop on a on a weekly basis right and then you've got the cooking and eating which of course is the best bit I suppose um Cauliflower cheese. I can't imagine anybody that doesn't like cauliflower cheese, but you've off, you've got a couple of tips of adding things like mustard to it, uh, maybe some bacon. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, that you also do is, is 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 style it up as an Indian thing. I mean, I, I actually the only thing I do with cauliflower other than um, cauliflower cheese is in is is making curry. You know, I'll do like a chickpea and cauliflower vegetarian curry, which is rather good. Very healthy. Mm. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I may not look healthy, but I actually am. <laughs> cauliflower three ways yeah. um and yeah as i said so it's like the simple simple version going up to something a little bit more complicated which in this case is the cauliflower cheese yeah but also just showing kids you know how you the different ways in which you can use a vegetable um we've got a mexican as you said indian and then the yeah. british cauliflower cheese yeah the mexican I, i'm intrigued by as well because that's actually you're eating it raw there so it's a bit like yeah. sort of crudities isn't it yeah, with um with a mayonnaise and propica dip. So um, really, that would be a really simple one for kids to do. Just mm. mixing the mayonnaise with the spices and just seeing because I think cauliflower on its own could be not that particularly interesting. So I think dip is there just to make it a bit more fun and just put it interesting on your palate. But through through each unit, um, we are releasing a video with um uh, a tv chef called becca ling perkis okay and she's cooking with her kids and demonstrating one of the recipes so you can cook along with her so making it really interactive and really fun for people to do when they're doing it at home okay and and there's a hashtag market explorers is that where they can find all of this stuff yeah so you uh we're kick-starting on monday and we're running the six units over three weeks in a Facebook group. And so you can find that on uh, um, facebook.com 
grouped market explorers so um you can register your kids there okay. and um twice twice weekly we'll be releasing two units with the videos um yeah over a three-week period Okay. And how are things at Borough Market these days? Uh, Because obviously, you know, I'm a regular uh, visitor there, but for people who haven't been for a while, um, all of the stalls have remained open aside from the kind of the hot food ones, I suppose. Are are they coming back anytime soon? Yeah, so the market now, um, lots of traders, the traders that were not there through the core of um, uh, lockdown are starting to return. And our hot food traders have come back. Some offering meal kits, some doing food to take away. So the market is beginning to fill. Um, it's spread out again to accommodate the, the increasing traders, but also keeping social distancing. So yeah, I mean, it's still very much a, a market where you can get your produce, but now you can also come and get some of your treats. And um, if you're really fed up with cooking at home, you can get some nice food to take away uh, or some meal kits. So yeah, it, it's it's good. It, it's feeling it's feeling busier, and um, more people I think are coming down to to experience what we have on offer, which is great. Right, and I see your 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 bicycle guy with the big box that delivers to people as well, quite often around uh, these streets around here. So people can still get things delivered, right? Yeah. So Borough Market Online is still available. Um, we do now also have Borough by Post. So outside of London, which is, um, so more traders are coming on and signing up for that. So it means if you're not in, you know, the the seven miles of the market, you can now still, you can order, which is brilliant. So um, that's still going and and people are still using it. Um, We have um, click and collect. Um, We did when um, we were in the midst of lockdown, have car and collect, but we're no longer um servicing that at the moment okay well listen fascinating stuff about the cauliflowers i'm going to have to do something with one this weekend i think nadra shah head of communications marketing at borough market thank you very much indeed uh, we'll see you soon i hope over there uh, uh, just across the road from here i can actually see borough market out the window uh, if i look very very closely to my left and it's time for this ladies and gentlemen welcome to the perrier awards Slight variation for me there. A lot of hands uh, in the air. Uh, it's like being at a Barry Manilow concert. Not that I've ever been at a Barry Manilow concert, of course. But I have seen them on the television. Uh, now, of course, it is time for the Perry Awards with Marta Managon. Marta, very good afternoon to you. Very good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't remember who's supposed to introduce whom at this point. I don't know either. I've but forgotten. Uh, shall I crack on? Why I, don't uh, you? I, I should say uh, the listeners will be delighted mm. that I've actually had time to write a script. Oh, today. well done. It's not been as crazy as well, last, last week. Well, last Friday was a hell of a show. Last Friday, I napped for two hours afterwards. Yeah, I know. It was so exhausting. I yeah. I should tell you how exhausting it was. Mm. Um, anyway, good afternoon and Thank welcome Thank you. to the Perrier Awards uh, for the new listeners, which I know we've got plenty yes. of them this week. First of all, welcome. Yes. And also, this is where we look back over the past week of the so-called Independent so-called. Republic of My Grave on mm. Talk Radio. And basically, I choose my favourite moments and I take the mickey out of you a little bit. Really? I think that's fair, oh, I thought isn't it was it? a sort of homage to me. Well, that's what you think. Maybe I've just been misinterpreting it. 
Wow. Okay. No. Well, listen, I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. I'm very happy to have uh, the Mickey taken out. But uh, to, to be fair, I take the Mickey out of uh, a lot of people. So, you yeah. know, you should, even myself. Nobody sometimes. is spared. No, absolutely no, not. That's good. Um, anyway, as it's tradition, yes. uh, Mike, the first pair goes to you. Thank you. And this one you win for providing the film reference of the week. Mm. So, Ed Davey, you know, here's the, uh, some of those things you knock on his, on his head and go, you know, McFly! <laughs> hey! Ed! It's all over! We've left! McFly. You knew that one, right? I love that film. Back to the Future. I love that. Yes. Everybody well, knows it. Everyone's seen it. Everyone knows that. Yeah. But I, I love that trilogy as well. Every time. It's one of the very few films that if it's on telly, mm. I just have to watch it. You have it. to. There's I just no have question. To. Yeah. Like, I'll cancel plans. Yeah. Like, sorry. I'm not surprised I haven't bought it at some point or other and just gone, I have to own it now. Well, I mean, now, maybe now's the time. Maybe. Maybe now's the time. Maybe you've got it like in uh, you know VHS or something. Uh, it's possible. Uh, funnily enough, did. I don't have it in VHS. But thank you for that reference. <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> Mike, we know you're a highly skilled journalism broadcaster. Yes. And you are very good at illuminating the listeners mm. in these very very dark times. Yes. However, as I've said many times, you're only human, and sometimes it means you forget doing the most basic things. Mm. Let's talk to Gemma Godfrey now, executive editor of the Times Money Mentor. We've just been talking, Gemma, about the six hundred thousand plus jobs lost, which I know uh, is the big headline. Um, but let's just move on from that a little bit. First of all, welcome. By the way, sorry, I forgot to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> I did that with the um, the lady from Borough Market as well. I yes. sort of got carried away by introducing cauliflowers and forgot to say hello first. Well, well, you know, sometimes as it's I good. said, it, you know, it happens. Sometimes it's good to to do it in a different way. Yes, you know, you know to keep people on their toes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I exactly. don't like cauliflower. I've got to say, you don't like cauliflower. No, really. I, I, I sort of like tolerate it with cheese. Right. Well, that, I'm gonna, I may it. have to make you cauliflower in curry because it's very nice in curry. Yeah, is it spicy? Well, it can be. It's up yeah. to you. You can have it made to order if you wish. I can make it spicy or not spicy. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Well, I'll place my order. Thank you very much. Mm. Regular caller, uh, Geraldine Crew wins the Perry Award for the Apology of the Week. Hello, Michael. First thing, I'd like to apologise to you. Uh, Why? Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was. I said I was on the side of Piers Morgan, but you convinced me now you were right. Yes. He was wrong, and I was wrong as well. No, well, listen, so it's, I, a good, it's a big man that admits when he's wrong. Very well played. Back to the fold. Yeah. Okay. The other, the other thing then. you have to remember is I'm never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not so far, anyway. It's all true. Yes. It's all true. Mm. And if you're ever wrong, uh, you might not be. The sky may fall in if I'm ever wrong. A bit like the ravens in the tower, which I can see just over your right shoulder. What tower? The Tower of London. There it is. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that was the Tower of London. It you is. should mention that more often. I should mention it, yes. Because I don't think people realise the amount of things that we can see from here. No, it's a very big, a wide window that we have. Yes, I can see some falls right now. Yes, I know, um, over the, over my shoulder. Over your yeah. shoulder, yeah. Amazing. Small city, London, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Now, listeners will be familiar with our Mail on Sunday columnist, Peter Hitchens. Yes. He comes on the show every morning, uh, not every morning, every Monday morning yes. at 11. And he's also been doing the rounds on Twitter this week. Uh, these uh, uh, Earlier this week, he, he won a period for the compliment of the week. Well, the Conservative Party under Thatcher was definitely more conservative than this one. Well, that wouldn't be difficult. <laughs> uh, True. I have to say, uh, it would be like, like, like saying you, you had more character than an amoeba. Uh, <laughs> Very kind of you. <laughs> My favourite part of Monday's chat was when uh, he said that uh, he'd only ever been invited on, um, what was it? 
Uh, have I got news for you? It, have I got news for you? Or I something think, I like think that? you might be about to refer oh, to okay. what I'm about to play next. Oh, in that case, I won't say anything. So let's do that first. Yeah, and then right. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, uh, he also wins the pair for what I've called the ignored question of the week. So they were looking for a right-wing person on the panel and they gave me a tryout and, uh, and they, didn't, they didn't like me. So right. that was the end of that. But it could think. Was it because you wouldn't let any of them talk? I've been on a, I, the, the, the one time I was on, the amazing effect that it had <laughs> On, on 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 my personal fame, just in one go. See, now he gets followed around by people in Oxford, like the yes. Pied Piper, while playing Staying Alive, <laughs> which is one of the greatest things I've ever seen on Twitter. I have to say, the internet is so precious yes. for things like this. I'm going to be asking that you about video. that on Monday, because yes, he's back you on Monday. You should. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so he's got this thing, Hitchens, you and, and himself, that, you know, sometimes you'll ask him if you can interject. Right. And he just won't let you. No. So it just goes on and on and right. on. I wonder if he mutes you while he's talking. It's possible. And he just very like, goes on and on and yeah. on. Well, I think, I mean, he's admitted, admitted himself that one of the reasons he does that, he talks the way he does, is because he's so used to not being allowed to talk. Ah. And that he very, very, so he basically kind of bulldozes his way through any conversation because he's expecting to be cut off at any time. Oh, but bless. here at the Independent Republic, we are more liberal than that oh, with absolutely. our time. Absolutely. With a small L, that is. Well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, listeners will also be familiar with uh, the voice of newsreader Sandy War. Yes. She's done her last shift at already this morning, and it's fair to say that we'll miss her and we we'll wish her the best for the future. And I can't think of a better parting gift than awarding her a parallel award for being the most patient newsreader. And I'm going to have to let you go because we're way late for the news. I'm going to get in terrible trouble with Sandy War, who has a mean um, streak in her, and she might take it out on me later on as I leave the building. Uh, let's get some news headlines right now from Sandy War. Talk radio, half hour headlines. Good morning, Mike. How very dare you? <laughs> I didn't really mean to say anything, anything bad. No. You know? I was kind of joking. No, it was. I, I, think, I don't think, I think she it took came it across badly. that way. No, yeah, of course so, not. Yeah. Of course not. But she um, hasn't got a mean streak, by the way. No, she That's doesn't. That's not true. She doesn't. She's a lovely woman, she and and she's been very patient with us, especially. And actually, in the I week. must say, I must say this because I didn't see it until relatively recently. Alex Dibble oh, yeah. has written a very fine tribute to her. He has and sent it to everybody, which I only just read. He so has indeed. Hats, yeah. hats off to Alex Dibble. I yes. didn't realise he had it in him mm-hmm. to be that kind of you know. Dibble's a, he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He's a nice guy and he's I've very funny. Yeah. He's got this really weird sense of humour that I really like. like yes. A sort of deadpan yes. kind of thing. Yeah, I would say that, yeah. But, you know. Um, speaking of, of things mm. that make people laugh, this one is that uh, I acknowledge is a very silly one. And I'm aware that most people might not get it or they might think, what is wrong with you? Yes. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, you were learning the basics of sign language and uh, you were taught how to spell mm. your name. I was. Again, this is very silly, but this generally made me cry with laughter. <laughs> then if you get really good, you do it really, really fast. Yeah. So you'd join it all together and yeah. you'd be like this. I'm, I'm notoriously um, ham-fisted, so it would probably end up looking like a right old mess. There we go. <laughs> What's your name? Moke? <laughs> I cried. I can see you going. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I, I struggled to stay, uh, I know you know, you with a straight face. There are some times that Moke. I just, I just burst into laughter. I you can never see know that. when it's coming. I know, and I just have to be escorted out and of the room. When you go, you go. It's <laughs> yes, gone. Exactly. So uh, that really tickled me. Uh, off to Julia Harley breakfast now. She yes. wins a period for the clarification of the week. The Premier League is back. Six minutes past nine o'clock. This is the time, and this is Talk Radio. This is the time. <laughs> this is the time, time for what? <laughs> It sounded like she was going to announce something. Well, yeah. You know, like this is the time for... It's just the There's time. a line in a movie, I think, isn't it? This is the time for, you know... Or is it a, a song? This I is the time for... I don't for, know. Yeah, it's a song. There's a, there's a song lyric. Well, I'm thinking of time of my life. No, 
It's turn. It's the song turn, isn't it? <laughs> by, by uh, isn't it by? Um, um, I think it's by Travis, or it might be not. an older version of turn. I don't know. Turn, turn. This is the time. To turn, or something like that. It might be. It might be somebody like. Um, I have no Ma- idea the mamas and the papas. About. It might be them. I, I don't know. It's in my head now. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll, this is the we season. Might tell you turn, turn. This is the time for t- you know something like that. I don't know what I don't you're know. talking I'll about. I'll shut up now. No, Get on with it. <laughs> uh, it's been a tough <laughs> week for some people. Yes. Uh, Health Secretary Matt Hancock referred to Marcus Rashford as Daniel, which was not very well received. Not great. However, he's not the only one to have made a similar mistake. Ian Collins had to correct one of his callers earlier this week. And the one other thing I'd like to say about Mr. Rashbrook, but the only other thing I'd like to say to it is, where was Mr. Rashbrook Sr.? You know, when he he decided to go uh, abdicate his duties of a father and run off. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it's amazing how when you use somebody's name wrongly that it completely ruins everything. It does, yeah, it does. I, I like to re un, I, I like to get people's names wrong deliberately on Twitter because it really upsets yes, them. It really upsets people, yeah. yeah. Um, and finally, because it gets better, a uh, friend of the show, Doctor Bharat Pankania, yes. gets a parrot award <laughs> for the absolute winner of the wrong namer of the year. Uh, Doctor Barrett, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning to you, Graham. Good thank morning. you. We're not prepared, uh, Graham. I'm so sorry. Uh, this yes. is Dr. Barrett Pankano. Thank you. I didn't want to correct you at the time, but my my name, my first name is actually Mike. Graham is my second name, but it's all right my if fault. you want to call me that. It's not a problem. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very Mike. much indeed, Mike. It got there in the yes, end. Yes, it got there in the end. Well, do you know, it's one of those where you think I can't. Like the first one, you let it go, right? The second mm. one, I start thinking, well. It's not just a, a, a you know a slip of the tongue. He yeah. thinks my name's actually Graham. The thing is, this has happened before. Has it? Remember that time that we got him on the line, and then we lost him. Yes. And then we couldn't get him back, and right. you know all that stuff. Then he came back on, and he right. was like, "Good morning, Graham." Really? And we so all he's cried. obviously thought that that's my name for all this time. Well, but you know, I've spoken to him before, and I've always said, "Oh, would you like to come and talk to my Graham?" Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe he thinks it's Moke Graham. Moke Graham. Woke Moke. Woke um, Anyway, that's all for I've the got a, uh, I've got a, just before you go, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I've, Jim has sent me a tweet that says, Time for Action is the song you're thinking of oh. by Secret Affair. <laughs> this is the time. This is the time for action. Yes, that could be it. Oh, but that's not the turn song. That's a different song. No. Anyway. Well, we'll work on this over the yeah, weekend. Yeah, we'll work on it over the weekend. I'll do some serious research and yes. report back. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's all for the Ferry Awards. There'll be more Thank maybe you. next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.